Well, hey, welcome back to Message of the Week presented by Anthem Church. Uh, we're so excited to have you back with us again today. If it's your first time listening, why don't you go ahead and follow or subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to us on. My name is Isaac Robinson, the creative pastor here at Anthem Church and your host for today. Well, today I got the privilege to continue our sermon series, The Miracles of Jesus, uh, with a message called The Miracle of Mercy. So let's take a listen and I'll see you guys at the end. Amen. Amen. Well, today we are going to continue our series called The Miracles of Jesus. Have you guys been enjoying this series so far? Yeah. And so we are looking through the seven miracles or signs of Jesus that are recorded in the book of John. And so last week, Pastor Christian looked at the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and taught us that Jesus is what? More than enough. Can we give it up for Pastor Christian? Weren't you blessed by that word last week? So this week we're going to continue and we're going to look at the miracle of Jesus healing a disabled man. Let's go ahead and read his story. We're going to go to John chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter, John chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. We're going to put it up on the screen. Um, John chapter 5, and we're going to get, read a good bit of verses. We got to get his whole story. Is that okay? All right, starting in verse 1, John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, and this is what it says in the New King James Version. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Everybody say Bethesda. Having five porches in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity. 38 years that's a long time when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time he said to him do you want to be made well the sick man answered him sir I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up but while I am coming or while I am trying another steps down before me. So Jesus says rise take up your bed and walk and immediately the man was made well took up his bed and walked and that day was the Sabbath. Are we okay? Verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews or the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Today, I want to talk to you about the miracle of mercy. The miracle of mercy. What I love about this series is not just that we get to look at how Jesus performed miracles. 
But I really love that we get to see how Jesus ministered to people. Uh, it is so interesting to see Jesus manage his humanity and his divinity. A hundred percent God and a hundred percent man. Now, we do not get to see every single interaction that Jesus has with the person. But by the gracious sovereignty and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the scriptures, we have enough to see the character of God through the life of Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 5 a little later, he says, I do what I see my father do. So if we want to see the processes of how God deals with people, if we want to see the priorities that God has when dealing with people, if we want to see the overall perspective that God has when it comes to dealing with people, one of the best places for you to look is the life of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is what I like to call perfect theology. Now, theology is the study of the nature of God. I'm just teaching in a minute. We'll, we'll get there. But theology is the study of the nature of God. And there is no better way for a human to study the nature of God than to look at God when he was in the human nature. So uh, John actually starts his account in the book of John with this as the beginning and this as the foundation. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then a little later it says, and the word was made flesh. So John has this dynamic in his accounts of Jesus. John records this dynamic of Jesus being man and God, starting in verse 6, it says this, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. Jesus sees this man, and the Bible says that he knew that he had been in that condition for a long time. Without being told, without having any conversation with anyone else, Jesus knew automatically every single thing about this man. Jesus knew everything about him. He was the son of Mary, but he was also the all-knowing God all at the same time. And I just want to pause before I get any further in this message. To those of you who need a miracle, if there's anyone in the, in the room who needs the miracle, I just want to encourage you right now, Jesus knows. He knows. Your, your situation is not a surprise to him. He didn't miss the memo. He has not lost track of time. He is not taking a break. He knows you perfectly. Every midnight prayer, he knows. Every tear of frustration, he knows. Every moment of fear, he knows. Every question you have, he knows. Your history, he knows. Your background, he knows. How you were raised, he knows. How you felt, he knows. He, he, he knows. I'm sorry, it's been a long time, y'all. Excuse me. But, but, but I just want to encourage you for a second that he knows. And not only does he know, but he cares. Now, see, he, it's one thing to, to have some sort of idea that God knows about your situation. But it's another thing to believe that he actually cares about you. He, he is not so far removed. He is not so high upon his throne that he has no interest in your situation. It's actually the quite opposite. He is thoroughly invested. And I know some of you may not necessarily feel that or believe that because you feel like you're too small or that you don't matter to God. And that could stem from some bad experiences or moments in your life that you can't seem to resolve. But the truth is he 
cares. And I'm here to preach to you in just a moment and let you know that he cares for you. He cares. David said it like this in Psalms chapter 8 verse 4. He said, what is man that you are mindful of him? And of the son of man that you care for him. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 lets us know that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. He cares. He cares for us. And this rings true for us today as much as it did for the man in John chapter 5. I want to point out here that Jesus actually made a choice to go to the pool of Bethesda. He didn't just casually stroll by on accident. He didn't take the wrong turn. He, he knew what the pool was and he knew who was there. He knew what he was doing and he could have chosen not to come. But all throughout scripture we see that Jesus was pulled by compassion to the places where he was needed the most. The Bible says that Jesus saw him. You are seen by God. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and those who fear him. You are seen by God. And so what happens, Jesus sees this man and he knows his story and walks up to him and does something that seems a little bit strange to us. But it's so efficient to Jesus. He asks a question. Do you want to be made well now we i just got finished talking about how jesus knows everything so why would he ask him that question uh, this man seemingly wants to be healed he is laying at a pool with a multitude of other people all around him who are lying, blind, uh, uh, lame, blind, and paralyzed. And for 38 years, he has dealt with this infirmity. This is a weakness, and he has lost a lot of time missing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get healed. So for Jesus to ask this question, it had to be something more than just a question about getting better. You see, Jesus would use questions to help open the hearts of people around him. And as we know, anytime Jesus asks you a question, he already knows the answer. But most of the time we don't. And so I believe a part of what Jesus was asking this man is, is hope still here? It is desire still here? And so we know that the Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And it must have been heartbreaking to feel like you're never going to get the healing that you want. It, it hurts when you wake up day after day and are in need of a miracle with no clue where it's going to come from. It must be emotionally draining when you feel like you're never going to get over that one thing in your life that you know God is not pleased with. And no matter how hard you try, you just can't get past it. Yes, there are times where we may have an artificial desire to get well, but because of the heartache and the guilt or the shame or the tiredness of waiting we get a little comfortable with the idea that maybe nothing will change and so just like this man sometimes Jesus has to come to you in your brokenness and in your weakness and ask you the same thing do you want to be made well do you really fully 
really want to overcome this issue or have you given up now have you gotten comfortable and not pursuing your wholeness have you made a bed out of your situation do you really want to get well that word well uh, that's used in the translate, it translates not just to a physical healing, but also to be, do you want to be made sound? Do you want to be made full? Do you want to be made uh, to where you're not wavering to and fro? Do you want to be sound in your mind? So Jesus was not asking him, do you want your legs back? But what he was asking was, do you want your life back? Do we look in scripture... It's amazing to me why Jesus would feel the need to ask the man that. Why Jesus feels the need to ask us that. And it's because sometimes people don't really want to get healed. They just want to get heard. Some people will rather have the attention than the solution. Uh, have you ever had a conversation with someone? And they are going on and on about their issues. And there are clear steps that they could take. But when those steps are offered, they don't take it. Have you ever been listen like, okay, man, this is what you have to. It's in the scripture. It's in the word. You know that you can do this, right? You know that you can like just not talk to them anymore, right? Like you know that you can block them, right? Like this, it doesn't have to be all of this. You can move on. Have you ever had like a conference? Have you ever been the person who's just wanted more uh, attention about your affliction? Let me tell you this. If you are not careful, your personal affliction can become your identity. So instead of being the head and not the tail, instead of being above and not beneath, instead of being more than a conqueror, instead of being victorious in Jesus, you become the last bad thing that happened to you. What, what identity, this is not even in my notes, but what identity are you walking around with this morning? Look at verse 7, it says, the sick man answered him sir i have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up but while i am coming another steps down before me so jesus said to him rise take up your bed and walk and immediately the man was made well took up his bed and walked and that day was the sabbath we'll come back to that but this man when Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? His answer is, nobody will help me and I can't do it on my own. I do not believe that it is a coincidence that right when the man admits that he has no help and he cannot do it on his own, that the power of God shows up. See, at the foundation of any miracle is the fact that God, I'm going to lose it, did something that I could not do myself. God did something that only he could do. At the foundation of every miracle is the simple truth that I needed God to show up and do something that only he could do. There was a problem that I could not find the answer to. There was a problem that I could not find the solution to. There was an area of my life that I could not fix in my own strength. And so I 
needed God to come and do what only God can do. Aren't you glad that God shows up and does what only he can do? So Jesus hears him and he gives three simple instructions. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. I'm almost done. I know you're bored. Now see, this can actually be symbolic of what happens when Jesus enters into our lives. So the first thing that happens is that he shows up and he says, rise. When he calls us to salvation, he calls us from our low place. He calls us out of the kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous light. He calls our names out of the grave, kind of like he did Lazarus. Out of the ashes, out of hopelessness, out of shame, out of sin. He tells us, come, come up, come up, come up, rise. He tells us to rise. Then he tells the man and he tells us, take up your bed. We could look at this as taking those things that I once used as a comfort or as an excuse, I now carry it. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians. He said that I will let no thing enslave me. We are taught to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I'm not going to leave it and keep the possibility of going back to it. I'm going to carry it. Say I'm going to carry it. I'm going to carry it could also look at this in the same way that Jesus tells us to take up our cross daily there's a sense of sacrifice there there's a sense of pulling there there's a sense of working out your salvation take up your cross and lastly he tells the man walk and so one translation of that word used for walk literally means to progress over an amount of time so he tells the man to walk and it, picture this is as the man is walking, his legs are getting stronger and stronger. And that's what it looks like for us. He tells us to walk and we have progress in our lives. Uh, we consistently progress in our walk, in our faith, in our relationship with God. We are told to rise. We are pulled up. We are given the ability to do what we could not do on our own. We are told to pick up our mat, pick up our comfort, keep up our excuses and then we are told to walk walk I'm getting to the miracle so this man is walking with his bed and he runs into a group of religious leaders who are upset with him because he's carrying his bed on the Sabbath now the Sabbath day if you know is it, it, it's the day of rest where you're not supposed to do anything. And so they tell him that him carrying his bed was considered work. They tell him you are actually breaking the law, the man-made law. But look at his response in verse 10. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. But he answered them and said, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. That phrase made me well is literally translated in the Greek into he gave me my life back. I'm going to preach. Here it is. The man is carrying out in the open the very thing that used to carry him. Yeah. Yeah. Home the Sabbath. 
And when asked about it, his answer is, I'm doing this because the man who gave me my life back told me to do it. And this is what I love about this part of the story is that nowhere in the Bible does it say that after they told him it was the Sabbath that he put it down. See, there's a reason why Jesus told him to carry it and not just leave it where it was. It, it, it was a part of his story, his testimony, if you will. And the man said, I understand the rules, but the rules never gave me relief from the infirmity. Ay, 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 ay. The, the, the rules didn't wake me up the rules didn't give me the ability to rise and so I don't mind carrying this bed to show exactly everyone where I've come from Paul said it like this hold your tongue his grace was sufficient for me for his power is made perfect in my weakness therefore I will boast hey hey I will boast in my weakness for Christ's power may rest on me he was made well he has made me well and he gave me my life back and so just like the man in John chapter 5 we should be just like him and say yes I will carry this bed because he gave me my life back yes I share my testimony because he gave me my life back yes I was going through emotional turmoil but he gave me my life back yes I wanted to give up but he gave me my life back yes I went through the divorce but he gave me my my life back yes I wanted to lose it all but he gave me my life back yes I was down for a couple of years but he gave me my life back yes I needed a miracle and he did just what he needed to do and he gave me my life back and no I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power to save he gave me I'm sorry he gave I said he gave me he gave me my life back He gave me, he gave me, he gave me my life back. Yeah. I was lost, left alone, laying on the thing that was holding me down. And he showed up and did what only God can do. He gave me, he gave me my life back. But that's not the miracle. It's a great thing. It's not the miracle. We found out another interesting fact in this story. That up until this point, the man did not know who Jesus was. And he did not know that it was Jesus who healed him. Jesus slips away before the multitude of crowd could find him. I believe that one of the reasons why he did this is because he knew Jesus was not looking to have a miracle revival tent at this point. Look at verse 14. It says, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see that you have been made well. Sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you. Jesus found this man at the pool of Bethesda. The word Bethesda means house of mercy. And we see here that Jesus offers the man 
just that. He doesn't leave the man just giving him a physical miracle. Jesus says, see that you have been made well. All, all that shouting we just did about having our lives back. And, and, and that man felt just the same. The Bible says that he was walking. It translates he was excited about what had happened to him. He was excited to be walking in full health right there in his joy. Right there in his celebrating. Jesus finds him again. He has a follow-up conversation with him. And says lovingly, now that I've got your attention physically, I need your attention spiritually. Now that I have dealt with your body, I need to deal with your heart. And he tells him, sin no more. Now, we know that all sin or all sickness is not rooted in sin. Now, Jesus gives an example of this in John chapter 9 with a man who was sick and they asked him they said is this man sick because of his sin or his mother's sin or his father's sin and Jesus says no it's because of God's glory so that God can get glory out of this so I don't want to give you guys any bad theology that makes it seem like anytime you get a cough that you've got some sin in your life but here's the truth we cannot leave this text without understanding that some sin in this man's life played a part in his infirmity for 38 years. And I know that in today's time, we don't like to bring this up, but it would not have been mercy if Jesus did not warn him of the unrepentant sin. And it would not be mercy for us if we did not hear the warning of sin no more. And Jesus, notice he says sin no more. He doesn't say go be perfect. But he says sin no more. And the truth is some of us here are not seeing breakthrough because there is unrepentant sin. That we are not willing to address and release to the Lord. Jesus said, unless a worse thing come upon you, what could be worse than laying on the ground for 38 years? What, what could be worse than an infirmity that takes you away from your family, takes away your life, not being able to do anything for 38 years. What, what could be worse than that? The only thing that I can see would be eternal separation from God. It, it would be one thing for this man to have his legs back. But he still, because of, because of the nature of sin in our bodies, he was still going to die at some point. So it wasn't so much just about giving him his legs back, but Jesus gave him his life back to ask for it. So this is why I call it the miracle of mercy. Because it wasn't just about healing him physically. It was about his soul. 
There's a reason why Jesus didn't heal everyone at the pool. He certainly could have done that. He was Jesus. He was God. He could have lined everyone up and healed them one by one. But remember at the beginning I told you that if you look at the life of Jesus, you will see the priorities that God has when it comes to people. So Jesus did not choose to heal everyone because physical healing was not the priority of Jesus' ministry. Yes, it happened, but he did not come to just be a physical healer. He came to be a savior. The priority of Jesus' ministry was to save the lost. So he might not have healed everyone, but giving mercy and the opportunity to have a brand new life in him, he did do for everyone. Won't you stand to your feet? This morning, I'm grateful that we got to celebrate the power of Jesus and his ability to give us our life back. But I don't want us to leave this room without the understanding that the miracle was not him getting up from that mat. The miracle was Jesus showing up and telling him, now that I've healed you, now that you've got a new life, now that you've got the ability to live, sin no more. It's easy for us to get caught up in our afflictions and our ailments, whether physically or mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It's easy for us to get caught up in that and to get comfortable in living in that way. Ask me how I know. But here is the truth. Because Jesus is merciful, because he is gracious, because he is kind, because he is all-knowing and all-powerful, there's only so much time before he knocks on your door and says, do you want to be made well? And he will tell you, rise. Take up your excuses. Take up your comfort. Walk see that you have been made well and sin no more lift your hands Father we thank you for your word and Father I pray that you would do for us just like you did for the man in John chapter 5 that you would see us that you would know us and that you would come and do what only you can do Father and so Father we thank you that you are a God who does all things well, who does all things in perfect balance. So we thank you and we believe for physical miracles. Father, if there's anyone in here who, who, who is dealing with a physical ailment and they have tried every other thing, Father, we ask that your healing virtue, your healing power would come and do what only you can do, Father. That you would come and be the miracle worker. That you would come and show your power. That you would come and demonstrate yourself. But Father, we also ask if there is any sin in our heart that we are refusing to repent of if there's anything in our lives that is hindering our relationship with you if there is anything within our hearts that is keeping us from seeing you fully that you would move move it out of the way that you would move it out of the way father we hear your cry this morning telling us to sin no more see that we have been made well see that we have been given a new life in jesus see that our sins have been forgiven see that 
our sins have been washed away and help us to walk this thing out help us to sin no more and father anything that has been carrying us help us to carry it father help us to not be enslaved to anything help us to not be mastered by anything come on lift your hands right there church I feel something help us to not be mastered by anything but father help us to live in the way that you have called us to live now church I'm going to give you 30 seconds right there I need you to lift up your voices if you've got anything that you need to release to the Lord I want you to do that right now come on come on come on don't play with it this is your sign this is your sign this is your sign this is your sign go ahead and take care of it now you don't have to do much just ask the Lord to take it from me take it out of my life Lord anything that's not like you take it out anything that's hindering me from seeing you take it out whether I know it or not show it to me illuminate it for me let me see it father because I want to live like you I want to live like you I want to live like you I thank you that you gave me my life back but father I want to live for you I want to live for you I'm not asking you to make me perfect but I'm asking you to make me holy I'm not asking you to make me perfect but I'm asking you to sanctify me I'm not asking you to make me perfect I'm just asking you to do what only you can do I don't want to live like this anymore father take it out 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 take it on Jesus well that was the miracle of mercy again we want to thank you for joining us today for a message of the week if you'd like any more information about us head on over to weareanthemchurch.com and visit us there of course we always want to leave with the blessing so may the Lord bless you and protect you may he smile on you and be gracious to you may he show you his favor and give you his peace we'll see you next week